Blog Talk Radio. It's September 29th, 2019. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight, we are joined by co-host Jeff Brown. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please remember, good leadership is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and the privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. Working for a Living Radio Show is a member of the Michigan Association of Broadcasters and is syndicated on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM. Listen now and follow us on Twitter. Thank you. Let me bring on Jeff. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? Well, I'm okay, Leroy. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Getting these uh, things ready here for our show tonight. Uh, how was your week? Painful. <laughs> yeah, this wasn't no, a good week. Yeah, up and down with the weather, the cold weather and uh, warm, and then, you know, just changed up quite a bit. So been busy around here uh, as well. Uh, not, I haven't been in any pain like you've been in, but, uh, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, part of your... Um, you know, stuff that you have to deal with every day, and people might not realize just how much pain you are in. So thank you for being a part of this show, and thank you for everything you contribute behind the scenes as well. Much appreciated, brother. We really appreciate that. Okay. Anything else on your side? Yeah. Thank Um, you. Not much. I'm just watching everybody post things about the strike. Um, Right. There's a lot of good people out there making some really good posts, uh, a lot of good information. Um, I want to thank those who are posting on our page. Um, just we hope the strike ends soon. Um, you know, we don't want people to be out very long. But uh, that's, that's all that's going on down here. It's kind of quiet tonight. Well, we had a lightning storm come through Friday night, and uh, according to our strike rules, when there's lightning, we don't want folks standing up there with a, a wet stick sticking up in the air and getting hit by lightning. So the, the rules that come out from the international uh, said that they are supposed to suspend the strike uh, picket, uh, not the strike, but the pickets okay. at, at that time, and they did. Uh, and, uh, you know, I went by and made sure everybody around here got the word. You know, I mean, I didn't have to stop anywhere, but I did, you know, just tool around, make sure everybody uh, was in cover and not standing out there with a wet stick up in the air. So uh, right. everybody got the word, so that was good. I was pleased to see that. So, But we, we do make sure, you know, for the safety of our members, that everybody got the word. So, My uh, son... Uh, stuff that won the picket lines and Lansing and gave the group a case of water. Um, right. So, you know, he's doing real good. He, he knows what all this is about. Um, That's good. He went to union meetings with me when he was about right. three or four years old until he went to start school. Right. So, your, your oldest son is... Uh, 
uh, about to graduate from law school, as I recall. Isn't that right, Joe? Yeah, he'll be graduated around December. He told me he's got a couple interviews coming up. One really big one um, that sounds like a great job. Um, it has to deal with the uh, Michigan State Supreme Court. So, you know. That's a great place to start. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Well, we have Tom with his hand up here. Let me grab Tom and uh, see see how he's doing tonight. Please, everybody, welcome Tom to the show. Hi, Tom. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, I hit the trifecta today. You hit the trifecta today? Okay. (laughs) All right. Uh, How much did you win? Well, I I didn't win any money at all. I'm I'm not much of a gambler, but uh, I I did play uh, play, uh, three numbers. One was... uh, Saturday with with my uh, beloved Ohio State Buckeyes uh, and their fabulous win over Nebraska uh, earlier in the uh, afternoon. Uh, my Cleveland Browns won forty to not forty to uh, eighteen over the Ravens, and then my grandson's team won thirty to nothing over the Boardman uh, Spartans. So I, I hit the trifecta. I, I, first time this this season I did that, and we're looking forward to. Meeting little brother next week. Well, you know what? I don't know if it's little brother because just because your grandson beat the Spartans this week doesn't mean that your other team is going to beat the Spartans next week. <laughs> well, 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 Jeff, Jeff, did you hear that? He put that together real quick there, you know. I, uh, it, oh, the, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah. Some say I I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to I'm going to enjoy this weekend. Uh, we're going to have a tough one, I think, with uh, with your team next week. So. Yeah, they're playing down there in Ohio, right? And the horseshoe. I think. Yeah, yeah. There. One of the coaches that uh, started his career, so to speak, at Youngstown State, and then uh, moved on to, I believe it was Cincinnati, and then to Ohio State Buckeyes as assistant when Trestle was there, and uh, your head coach now. Don uh, right. Diatoni, uh, you know, he's a damn good coach, and uh, every time they play, they you know, I don't care where they're ranked or we're ranked, they give us a tough time. You may or may not know, I think it was this week that he, uh, or maybe last week, that he became the winningest uh, head football coach in the Big Ten and at MSU. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I understand that. Uh, just, just saying. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 well, I, like I said, I think we're going to have our hands full. So, absolutely, it's going to be a great game. Everybody, watch. I'm going to VFW and watch it. So, uh, we're trying to raise a little money for for them so they can buy one of them eight foot TVs so we can have more fun in there watching games. So, yeah, and, and one one other thing, by the way, I don't know whether anybody mentioned it. Uh, I missed it if they didn't. Uh, happy birthday, Jeff. Oh, thank you, sir. It, it's your birthday, yeah. right? It's my birthday. My son was here, and we watched the Lions get beat by the rubberies. Um, had some burgers, and, you know, he lives three hours away, so he's on his way back home right now. 
So it's always good to see him. Right, right. And I talked to Jeff earlier, and I know he's having a great day today on his birthday. So, again, happy birthday to you, Jeff, from all of us on our team. Thank you very much. Yep. Well, let's let's start with these announcements. Uh, uh, Jeff, you want to handle one, and, and uh, uh, I'll take two. Okay. September 23, it was reported scabs were seen entering one of the assembly facilities. September 24, it was reported scabs were not seen entering one of the assembly facilities. Imagine that. Thank you to everybody <laughs> that uh, uh, got involved in that. No one was uh, um, in any way um, bothered beyond just a little notion that that's not a good thing to do. So uh, thank you for everybody. Thank you to those people now uh, that are honoring our picket line. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, September 24, GM continues health care with no end date. So that was good because I know a lot of people needed uh, some medical treatment there. So right. I'm happy for well, Very nice. That's the end uh, of the uh, announcements today. We're going to keep those short and sweet. we got a couple email. Um, you want to take up uh, well in in the uh, name of uh, uh, every other one. I'll, I'll take this one, I guess. Uh, uh, we thank all of the other unions for their support, and that came in from many, many places uh, to us directly, and and uh, just in messages as well. Thank you to all the other unions. Uh, you know, really too many to name here uh, that now support us. We are probably closer. Uh, to a national strike now than ever before, even though some of these are not going out. There's some threats of strikes by some of them on their own accord. just happened to be about the same time ours is going on. So, Jeff, you want to take that next one? Yeah. Number two, will there be a GoFundMe page for Megan Ballard as she was only had two months seniority at the time? It really doesn't qualify for COBRA or life insurance, let alone her three children. Um, the name is withheld, and the answer is yes, and we will have the link available right. when we get it. We're, we're still attempting to get that. Uh, we understand it's on the 2209 page, uh, but you know we haven't found it just yet, but we will have it. Uh, people have promised to get it to us as well, and we will get that out to everybody. Uh, okay, definition this week is persevere. That means to persist in a state, enterprise, or undertaking in spite of counter-influences, opposition, or discouragement. Jeff? Uh, this week's quote, <laughs> since silence never won right, they are not handed down from above. They are forced by pressures from below. And that's from Roger Nash Baldwin. Um, Jan- born January 21st, 1884. And uh, passed away August 26, 1981, at the age of 97. 
He was one of the founders of the American Civil Liberties Union and served as an executive director of the ACLU until 1950. Well, oh, I didn't know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We're digging around finding stuff, Jeff. Uh, Jeff, do you want to... Uh, <laughs> it's hard to stump you. I gotta say that because you have just a, 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 a you know, a, a encyclopedia of knowledge about labor. So uh, some of the things that you don't know that what I happen to dig up, it's uh, uh, you know rare uh, that you don't already know. So uh, thanks for everything you bring to the show with regard to that. So you wanna. Kind of get into your report a little, and then I'll. Demolish. Yeah, we're going to reiterate uh, some of the things we talked about in the last several months. The first one temporary language be changed in the contract. And it's Article 13, Section 22. It shall be left to the discretion of the local union to determine the duration of the period for which work permits are issued. In no case, however, should work permits be issued to any worker for a period of more than three consecutive months. This is a big contract demand by the union. Um, that article is in the UAW Constitution. So, number two, the competitive clause, Appendix K and GM, in the interest of the membership debt language needs to be removed from the contract. I agree with that one, too. Number three, the UAW Constitution states you must enforce the laws, thus let's enforce the laws and remove laws unfriendly to labor from our contract, not affirm them by placing them in our contract. So, hope the negotiators are Listening in right now. So. Okay, Jeff. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, uh, we know these are tough issues, but they are core to our very uh, essence of our of unionism and the ethos of unionism and our UAW constitution. So. Uh, we understand that there's uh, some of these are sticking points. I'll get into those in a, in a minute. And, you know, one of the really cool things about uh, these constitutional items, uh, if the leadership abides by their oath of office and the requirement to abide by the UAW Constitution, including those items in the collective bargaining agreement, then... There's no need for them to hear from anybody, especially us, regarding these items. So uh, I'll get into my report now. Uh, first of all, I mean, uh, I should ask Tom, do you have any uh, comments on Jeff's report? No, I, I don't have any comments. Uh, Jeff's hit the nail on the head, and uh, a lot of those uh, – Issues are really uh, seem to be what's the sticking point at the at the, uh, the big table, so to speak. And uh, Jeff's right on point with what he said. You know, the corporation's got to respect every member out there in regards to the 
oath that our leadership takes in regards to representing our membership. And sometimes it's hard for people to understand that, you know, uh, it's different in a corporation. They have a board of directors and they need to make money. So henceforth, they're they're pretty much dug in on those issues that Jeff spoke of, because that definitely once when you when you exploit people for uh, their labors uh, and don't justly reward them accordingly to uh, what the contract agrees to, and you violate that. Uh, it's hard for them to get away from that because uh, it's accounted for billions of dollars in profits over the last. Uh, eight years or so. So, uh, Jeff, uh, once again, I thank you, you know, for bringing those points up and, and I, I'm very thankful for what I'm seeing up, up North from our, uh, elected leaders that, uh, are taking this and, and, and holding the ground, so to speak, you know, they're not retreating, uh, from what I understand on those issues that are very important to people out there. And there's many more out there, not just that one or, or that the, those two that Jeff mentioned uh, uh, about the appendix K language also. That's uh, very, uh, a very good job once again. And probably when, when it comes down to ratification, Leroy, we're probably going to have to get Jeff out there and really nail down what what, what uh, the consequences are if we do cave so, and how we can reverse that language, uh, Leroy. Right. Well, everybody knows, I believe, Tom, what the consequences are, you know, if you violate the Constitution. Um, I mean, that's pretty clear out there, and it's uh, uh, without going into any great detail. We don't want to be making anybody more nervous than they already are, but they already know what those consequences could be. But you're right. Uh, we'll have to have uh, some additional action if, if we cave on those, uh, and I don't think we are. I don't think the, the bargaining team is going to cave in any way. And we're going to try and help that a little bit tonight. And we're going to, you know, give management some slap on the hand here and and uh, see what they might have uh, that they can uh, uh, add to the uh, value of all of this for themselves uh, as they abide by our Constitution as well. So let's just uh, see what happens there. Um, hey, Jeff, do you have anything else to comment on those those three items? No, they're, they're very important. Um, I know there's other issues out there that are just as important, but you know, we've got to take care of these part-time people and um, hold our elected officials accountable for doing the right thing here. All right. Hey, well, you know, we're just, you know, uh, with everybody else, you know, there's a strike ongoing, and uh, we're withholding our mm-hmm. labor from. Uh, let's try and help them out here a little bit. Uh, so, uh, with that said, you know, we're two weeks in. Today's day 14. The strike issues are, as outlined by uh, Terry Dittis in his letter to General Motors, job security, defining a permanent path for temporary workers wage progression for new hires, affordable quality health care and prescription drug benefits, wage increases, our share of the profits, and skilled trades issues. And those are the ones outlined. And, of course, there's the ones that also 
violate the Constitution that we've been uh, holding out there as well, and some of those are actually incorporated in all this. So, um, so uh, again, we're in 14 days in. Let's continue to stick together on the picket line and everywhere else at the local union halls, etc. Check on each other, you know, especially those that you know reside alone because, you know, if they've just transferred and they don't have a support network where they're at and uh, they're out there, uh, you you just give them, a, give them a call and, you know, see how they're doing, stop by, whatever. Uh, you know, during this strike, shake hands with your political opposition. This is not a time to be fighting. This includes the local and national leadership. We know there's some local infighting. That's got to stop. This is not a time for that. Okay. We're very proud of every last member on the picket line for being respectful. Just remember, everybody's watching, and we need to continue to win the hearts and minds of the general public. I can report uh, somebody had a flat tire, and one of our members was driving by, and, uh, of course, we know we have time because we're on strike, right? This is a um, brother that uh, just left the picket line. And he saw the woman with flat tire and had, had her mom in the car and a young child. He turned around and he, I went over there and said, you know, I'd like to help you. And she saw his UAW wheel on his shirt. And she was a little, you know, you know, standoffish, but she accepted to help. And as it, as it went along, you know, she wanted to stay outside. He said she could sit inside the car. It wasn't bad weather, but she wanted to stay out. So she asked him, what are your issues? He says, well, we have a number of them, but one of the things, and this is a seniority, uh, one of our members with seniority, and he said, one of our issues is temporaries. And she says, well, tell me about that. And this is somebody that was not on our side. And he said, well, you know, at the plant, uh, one of the temporaries uh, was uh, having a problem, and he he uh, needed to see his dad because his dad had 24 hours to live. And he went into work, and he said, you know, my dad's only got 24 hours left. I need to go see him, and I need to take the day off. Uh, I'd like it to be excused absence. And the supervisor told him, we need you here. And if you don't come into work or don't begin work, we're going to have a, have a problem. You might as well just quit. So the young man quit. So he could go see his father the last 24 hours of his life. The lady heard that and she said, I can't believe that occurred. And yes, it did. And then he had no way to feed his family because he had loyalty to his father more than General Motors for 24 hours. He related a couple other issues. And when he got the tire on and the, the, the uh, flat tire in the trunk and the jack plate replaced, 
closed the trunk, and she looked down and shook his hand and said, thank you. I hope you get everything you want. You see, when you really break down the issues before us, the union, there's a lot of bad stuff going on, and it needs to stop. It needs to stop. She was aghast at hearing that. And I believe just about anybody that listens or hears that is aghast. Somebody later said, well, he could have got family medical leave out of absence, FMLA. Not everybody is an attorney in our workforce. Not everybody knows everything available to them. And that's sad as well, because if they were seniority worker, you wouldn't have had that problem. And you heard earlier about Megan Ballard. Two months seniority doesn't even qualify for COBRA, even though they accelerated it, trying to get it in. She didn't qualify. She had to have 90 days. And that's why we need to stand together. And I'm ashamed of the regional director who, in his little two-minute video, didn't mention her and how we ought to stand together for her family. Who She was one of us. Two months or one day, she was one of us. And we need to try and stand together, and, and we're obligated by Constitution to do that. So when you do see the GoFundMe page, consider donating to her burial and her kids. Thank you for that. Um, as far as the strike, uh, it's going to take as long as it takes, uh, and we need to abide by the Constitution. You've heard that. Anyone wanting to be a scab can cross our line. Don't. We will be nice and ask you not to, but believe me, we will enforce our picket line, and we already have in a nice way. Um, before I get into the balance of my report, I want to talk about what happened in the early 19th century, 20th century, sorry, uh, about, in, you know, Henry Ford did some interesting things. He wasn't a very nice man in the end, but he did some things, and we're kind of at that crux in our country right now, okay? Let me just read some stuff. And, you know, I'm going to try and make it sound like it isn't being read, but I'm going to, you know, relate this to you. You know, Henry Ford wanted his vehicle to be large enough for, his, for the family and constructed of the best materials by the best men to be hired. And it had to be so low in price that no man making a good salary would be unable to own one. Well, he got the price low, but affordability was still a problem. Thus, he did this. On January 5, 1914, 105 years ago, Henry Ford and his vice president, James Cousins, stunned the world when they revealed that Ford Motor Company would double its workers' wages to $5 a day. 
the announcement generated glowing newspaper headlines and editorials around the world. James Cousin, Cousins, the Ford treasurer, said, it is our belief that social justice begins at home. Think about that. The treasurer of Ford Motor Company said, it is our belief that social justice begins at home. We want those who have helped us to produce this great institution and are helping to maintain it to share in our prosperity. We want them to have present profits and future future prospects, believing as we do that a division of our earnings between capital and labor is unequal. We have sought to a plan to relieve plan of relief suitable for our business. Keep in mind what Ford did in 1914, as you think about the rest of my report. The United States is at economic war with the rest of the world. And this strike is as much about that war for the very heart of the working class as anything in modern time. A true measure of any economy is the velocity of money. Velocity of money. It's been on a 45-degree down slide since the year 2000. It's getting really low. Velocity of money means how much money is in the system and how fast is it moving in our system. And it's really not a good thing right now. It needs to change. And infusion of money into the our economy of the United States needs to occur so that it can be held in more hands. For example, if somebody took four people to a $100 meal for breakfast, and lunch, and dinner, that's $1,200 a day. That's living pretty high. Okay, $1,200 a day is about 400000 maybe 500000 a year. Lodging, another half a million. You got a million dollars. Transportation, okay, 250 maybe a year. So you got you know, a million, two, million, three. When somebody's paid $21 million a year and some change, that means $20 million just goes to the bank and sits there. But if that same $21 million was in the hands of workers, that money wouldn't be sitting in the bank somewhere, that $20 million. It would be moving through the economy. It would be larger in the economy, and it would be moving faster through the economy and able to build and buy more vehicles and other things. You see, people forget that we're not only the working class, but we're also the buying class. In 1995, David Cole 
in a class that I attended, the National Pell Program, quoted as saying, in my presence, General Motors has an affordability problem. Affordability problem. In other words, people were having a tough time buying cars. And they solved that by having more lease products and interest or and, and uh, financing as much as 98-month financing. The car, as soon as it goes off the lot, is upside down and stays upside down virtually the whole time during that 98-month financing with regard to value. Most every industry, to include the auto industry, is targeting the U.S. market and remember our ever-growing affordability problem because money is not in the system. This is something that Henry Ford understood in 1914. And we charge the current leadership of the auto industry to think about his resolution to this problem. If there's not enough money in the system to buy the vehicles and other products, then sales are going to go down. We need, we need contract that allows for greater remuneration, wages and benefits for our members. It's not just for our members, it's for the very viability, very viability of our country. You heard it when they talked about contract negotiations opening, and you heard it about during when they announced the strike. This isn't just about the UAW. It is for the working class in the United States of America. Let's just talk about those issues that are constitutional that we keep bringing up here on this show. Unjust laws, laws that are unjust to labor, are not supposed to be affirmed. We're supposed to work to repeal those. In other words, they shouldn't be put in our contract by affirmation. The Pension Protection Act that can cut a pension by as much as 50% if the funding falls below 80% funding for the pension, a 50% cut, and it'd be cut more at 60%. I hate to even even announce that uh, number because it's, you know, it's that bad. To pull this out of the agreement would cost the company zero, nothing and it would abide by our Constitution not to affirm unjust labor laws, but rather to try and repeal them. And then we'll get our cap department to work on that, right? They should be already, okay? So, 
next issue is Appendix K. Appendix K requires our leadership, especially the chairperson, to make the corporation competitive. Well, that's nice to talk about, and we all want the corporation to be successful. Every last one of us depend on a viable corporation for a good paycheck, even us retirees, right? But making that as part of our agreement goes against the grain of labor ethos itself that says that chairman and every union officer is obligated to do their duty in the interest of the membership, not in the interest of the corporation. And that has led to jobs being combined inhumanly in some cases. It's led to the need to take opioids, to kill the pain while you're doing inhuman work, jobs that are two- and threefold what they should be. That's led to that and contributes to the current opioid crisis in our country. That's just one of the many things that are problematic when you talk about doing something in the interest of the company instead of the interest of your membership. It would not cost a penny to pull Appendix K from the contract. Over time, slowly, the jobs could be evaluated and it would have a nominal effect on the workload. It would ease up some of the jobs and a few more people would have to be hired. Also, there'd be more velocity of money, right? So it's good for our country. And least we forget, we gave up these things when the corporation was doing bad. And now they're somewhere near $12 billion a year. And let's not considering all of the stuff they've squirreled away in every hole they can find, including their own pockets. We'll get to that in a minute. Regarding the temporaries, making them seniority workers and members at 90 days or no greater than three consecutive months in compliance with our Constitution of the UAW. A study was done a few years ago by Christian Dizek, an author and reporter in one of the automotive news, I believe. And her report yielded this. For $250 million, every single member could be made legacy workers' wages. Everyone for $250 million. That number's probably a little higher now, 
because the number of temp raises higher and we've had some appreciation in wages. But when you consider $12 billion of stated profit or thereabouts, one quarter of a billion is not that much, especially when you've enjoyed all of those profits since 2007, 12 years. And certainly since the bankruptcy, you've benefited by having a extraordinary, an extraordinary amount of temporaries. So even if that's a half a billion dollars, when you really consider it, it's not that much money. And we're going to get to some of the rabbit holes that this money's been in. Move to here in a minute. Okay. Uh, so those are those issues that we talk about on the show. Initially, it would be anywhere from 250 million to take everybody to legacy workers. Let's just say that that was just the temporary workers and not everybody in progression. And we'll say that it is just the 250 billion, mil, million. Okay, when you take the big scheme of things, when you say that little bit, okay, that's one, what is it, one forty, one thirty-fifth of their profit. 144 of their profit, roughly. Okay, it's not that much in the big scheme of things, especially when the corporations have enjoyed a huge number of temporaries. And look at the downside to that. How do you like to be that man that lost his job because he couldn't go see his father while he was dying? the next 24 hours, and everybody knew it, everybody, the doctors, all of his family, and General Motors knew it too, and they didn't care, and that's why we exist as a union, an injury to one is an injury to all, just like this man, unknown now, Megan Ballard that we know of now. An injury to one is an injury to all of us. So where does that money come from? And we haven't talked about product allocation, but I'm I'm saving that one for last. Okay. Because it it's it's greater. Greater than any of these, because if we don't have work, none of what we just talked about means a damn thing. Product allocation, we'll get to. But let's just say that we're looking for $250 million. Okay. Now, we've talked about a lot of things on this show. We've talked about the tax imbalance, global tax imbalance that we have because 
we have a payroll withholding income tax, tax capture, and most of the rest of the world has a sales tax or a VAT tax, tax capture. That is essentially a sales tax because corporations have become very good at being vertic what's called vertically integrated overseas so they don't have to sell it from one company to another to another, and that's what a VAT tax does. I don't want to get into all of that too much right here, but just understand a VAT, VAT and a sales tax is virtually the same these days. We've talked about debt peasants insurance. That's where corporations buy life insurance on retirees beyond their contractual obligation. And when the retiree dies, that goes into the corporation's uh, executive suite pension plan. And it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. We also know that corporations have been taking money and doing stock buybacks to the point since 2008, not just General Motors, but all of them, 2008, $5.1 trillion, not million, not billion, trillion in General Motors in the tens of billions. So where does the money come from, the 250? Let's say let's divide it by three. 250 divided by three, 8.3, I'm sorry, 83 million dollars. So you do per year 83 million dollars less stock buyback, 83 million dollars less corporate life insurance, also known as dead peasants insurance, and $83 million less in the bottom line. Now, it doesn't look so bad, does it? I hope you're listening, Mary Barrow, because this is not hard. This is actually sixth-grade math for most of us. Not hard at all. 250 divided by 3 in this rabbit hole and this rabbit hole and this rabbit hole all participates in taking care of our membership. Okay. That, that kind of takes care of our issues. The ones that we, the core issues that are constitutional. Okay. Make the same division for wage increases, something for the retirees. Stop this eight-year in progression, get back to three years. Used to be 90 days full wage, three years until I retired. And then you started making craziness out, out there. And we've been sitting back watching. And now we're done watching. We're going to take some action. Product allocation. 
2015 agreement. There was commitment to bring work back from Mexico to the United States. Mid-contract, the President of the United States decided to have a new tax bill, and that tax bill in it gave corporations a 50% reduction in tax for products made outside the United States. Imagine that, making America great again. 50% cheaper for their tax bill if they make them outside the United States. First of all, that's temporary. So don't make long-term plans on temporary bullshit tax. Because Trump ain't going to be there long. One way or another. So at the beginning of the 2015 contract, the reason the corporations were going to bring work back is because the United States workforce was actually the lowest cost workforce in the world. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Without that tax break, it's going to go away. We continue to be the lowest cost workforce in the world as they target the United States marketplace. So, there's an advantage to bringing work back to the United States. And if you consider that tax break is not long-term, you consider the black eye that you already have in the public's eye. When you consider how well you'll look if you make such announcements as bringing a car back or creating a vehicle for an idled, unallocated assembly plant, in Ohio, an idled, soon-to-be-idled assembly plant in Deham, Michigan. We don't know what you could do to Baltimore, but, you know, you're talking about autonomous vehicles. And you said, are you, when the question was asked, Mary Bear, I'm talking to you, the question was asked to you, and it's probably the most significant answer you ever gave in your entire life, quite frankly, and it just fell right by the wayside, except for yours truly and the asker of the question, who I don't know, that person. You were asked, are you dependent upon any other companies or entities for your autonomous vehicle and the answer was one two letter word no that means that you're going to be vertically integrated 
from all intents and purposes of your answer with the autonomous vehicle. That means that everything built for that vehicle will be built inside of General Motors. There won't be third parties. You have five facilities to fill up. Allocate autonomous vehicle products, whether they're batteries, whether they're electric motors, Castings for electric motors are being done in Bedford, Indiana. Thank you. Keep them there. Anything electric motors, anything electric car, anything autonomous car that you plan to do in-house, vertically integrated from the sounds of it. And, oh, by the way, brothers and sisters, this is going to give General Motors more than 50% market share because nobody can steal their ideas this time. It's going to be great. Instead of making 3.5 million a year, we'll be making 8, 9, 10 million a year to satisfy the buying public. Unbelievable amount of market share. Yes, Mary Bear, we're not stupid. So start allocating that. Go ahead and allocate a battery plant somewhere. Go ahead and allocate a couple of autonomous vehicles. Bring back something from Mexico. Show some good faith to the United States of America. And you just might, Mary Barra, avoid being charged with treason. Because that's the other side of this, and everybody has a copy of my letter. Just ask them, if you don't believe me. Some 3,500 got circulated. That's just what we, we have downloaded. And they got probably passed to 10 other people. That's 35,000 treason letters asking for a review of corporate treason since corporations are now citizens of the United States. We're at economic war with the rest of the world. Make no mistake about it. And it behooves any and all giving aid and comfort to our enemies to stop. So far we've been pretty nice just putting out information. That will end if you don't give us a good contract. I guarantee it. It's in your interest to bring work back to the United States. It's in your interest to announce allocation of upcoming autonomous and electric vehicles in the facilities that are currently unallocated. Do you understand, Mrs. Barra? I hope so. We're not playing. Maybe some other people think we're playing, but we're not playing. 
serious. This isn't just about General Motors, Ford, FCA, any other of the suppliers. This is about the viability of the United States of America. And you should probably take a page out of Henry Ford's visionary methods from, two th- or from 1914 and make some bold announcements that just surprise everybody. And be a hero, Mary Barra. Because if you don't, the other side of this is going to get real ugly for all of us in this country. You have an obligation because you're a corporation incorporated in the state of Delaware, and you're a corporate citizen, and you lead this corporate citizen. Act like a citizen of the United States or face the consequences of giving aid and comfort to our economic enemies. I'll start with Jeff. Do you have any questions or comments, Jeff? Uh, No, I don't. They did out pretty well. Okay. Thank you. Tom, do you have any questions or comments? Uh, not really questions. I, I, I think that the questions uh, should be turning into answers here shortly, but uh, you invited me to lunch today, Leroy, and you handed me a smorgasbord. I'll tell you what, you put it all out there, and every bit of information you threw out there is correct. And uh, for, for most of the people out there uh, with the first part of uh, your report in regards to the Appendix K language and temporaries pretty much all flow together. And uh, if if you look at the number of reasons why they put it out there into the general public, Mary Barrow, to insinuate that our people are uh, absentee problems uh, and trying to spin that off to the general public is a bunch of bullshit. And uh, touching on that appendix K language where they're continuous improvement, we're going to add work to your job, we're going to slow the line down so many milliseconds so we could add one-third of Joe Blow's job to your job, and we're going to uh, uh, slow it down someplace else so we could add two, two-thirds of somebody else's job and eliminate two out of three jobs and put it all on you. Yeah, you, you hit it right on the head, and and they created the problem and want to spin it off on our our people working hard every day in the assembly plant. Uh, quite a few of these issues, I had an opportunity to talk to a, a, a union brother on his way back up. As a matter of fact, he's working in Lansing right now. Uh, I don't know whether he's home or not, uh, but he he was from the General Motors Lordstown facility, and and we talked briefly about some of these issues and the fixes that could come about. And and they're really simple fixes, you know. Be humane to people out there. Forget about your profits to your implant uh, people there where they uh, increase the productivity uh, of the plant through elimination of jobs and throwing that work. You didn't eliminate a job. You just put a person in jeopardy uh, in regards to his health and well-being uh, by putting him out on sickly, therefore creating 
X amount of number of temporary employees to replace him while he's out on sick leave recuperating, sometimes never able to recuperate and go back to do those jobs. And then throwing the, the traditional or the employee in, in progression out on the street, uh, so to speak, with a temporary. Uh, here again, we talked about classes within a class. And right there, there's just three classes of people, and two of them you just totally disregarded and disrespected them as human beings by exploiting them. And then when you replace them, you further exploit those folks because eventually they're going to be in the same uh, same boat as uh, Joe Blow was. There was so much you put out there on the table, Leroy. Uh, It's a lot to digest, but uh, hopefully uh, some people will get it. The biggest thing you threw out there, Leroy, and and it's probably going to shock a lot of people, what's Leroy talking about a balance sheet for? Well, if you're going into war with somebody and it's going to cost you an X amount of dollars or they're claiming it's going to save them an X amount of dollars, uh, Leroy, you were 100% correct. You better have that balance sheet. And just what you did tonight and breaking down what you broke down tonight, I think I think you threw General Motors uh, into the trash heap with their goddamn arguments. Uh, I'll tell you what. It was an excellent report, Leroy. And, uh, and uh, you know, I missed quite a bit of the parts, the allocation part. Uh, there, there's so much what you said there too, and, and most people don't understand it, Leroy. And it probably takes maybe another hour or show just explaining what vertical integration and a few hundred jo- hundred jobs today could grow into seven thousand jobs in a few short years, due to where we're trans uh, transforming an industry into. You know, it's going to be small in the beginning. Henry Ford started in his garage, I believe. I believe. Uh, uh, Steve Jobs started in his garage, uh, and 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 Dale Computer. These pe- these startups and these envisionaries started with nothing and grew into great corporations. By no stretch of the imagination, when you threw that balance sheet out there and gave somebody to argue back to him with, you gave him a powerful tool, brother. You gave him a powerful tool. And the folks out there listening, I hope they understand it and. Maybe you can email Leroy, and maybe you can uh, get some further answers if you're questioning what he's telling you, because there's the keys to the car right there. The keys to the car are right there. And most people I've talked to, Leroy, they're ready, and I said this last week, they're ready to sit out there and get a just agreement for everybody Everybody, every every soul, you've you, you sliced us up into different classes. Every one of us need to be made whole into one group. And, and you've given the keys to the car, like I said, one more time. And, and let, let, let's stick those keys in, in the ignition and drive that car someplace. I'm probably using antique terminology because now we, we have automatic start and we've got that little button we press. We don't use the key too much anymore, but... Leroy, I'm so proud of what you said, and I hope it sinks into people. And if you don't understand what Leroy just said, we send them an email. We can break it down in other shows for you, or we can talk to you about it on an individual basis. Uh, we're all over Facebook pages out there, and I, we all monitor them. And uh, your voice is very important to this contract. Your your powerful voices out there through social media corrected it in injustice 
You you people out there, you don't understand how much power you have. Just keep it going. And Leroy, thanks a lot for that uh, that uh, uh, information that you shared with all of us today. Right. Well, it, you know, it's for all of our members and for our leadership to digest and for Mary Bear to take and start to digest. You know, Henry Ford was a visionary. He realized that he had to have a reasonably cheap product and he had to have people paid properly in order to afford them. Okay. And you've heard how we've been suppressed over, over the years, uh, you know, maybe four or five times suppression of our wages. Uh, and, you know, that's just not a good thing. I want to touch on something you said, Tom. You you indicated that they would slow the line down and then they'd add, you know, 25 tenths of a second to this one and that one and whatever, uh, and they would pull out a number of people from the line when they slowed it down, right? They would pull them out and give them other jobs or lay them off. And then that line speed with the same number of people that had been reduced out. In other words, you started with 100, for example, and you pulled out three. And all of a sudden, those 97 people, the line speed would creep up to the previous line speed, and you'd be doing the same amount of work with 97 people as you would with the previous 100. And I know it's been reported to me that that's been done at least four times, four times. I don't want to give locations because I don't want to get in a, a big uh, match there, but at four times at one of the assembly plants that uh, in the course of uh, about four years. And you start sucking that many people out of that system and then increasing the line speed, and you're – you're really disabusing the people, and that's why the injuries start to occur. Safety, people start to get hurt on the job, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I, I really want to hit on the notion that Mary Barra can be a hero here. She can make some announcements, and she can sell this to the stockholders and the bondholders, saying, if we do this, it will make the ability to sell more vehicles from our corporation a real viable solution. Not only will it raise the wages and create more jobs inside of General Motors, but that will trickle up from the bottom and create more jobs with higher wages throughout the striations of wages and the numbers of people. So our country then becomes more viable. We're going to work on the tax imbalance thing. I'm, I've been working on it for some time. I was at a meeting uh, two, two weeks ago, the Hispanic Heritage meeting and on a Wednesday, and this last Wednesday I was at a meeting for the roads in Michigan. They asked to see if we could find some two billion dollars, and they told us we were going to. They were coming after two billion out of the general population and the corporations in Michigan. But I found them two billion dollars in my own uh, right because I have institutional memory 
where we outsource, privatize a billion dollars worth of revenue in the middle 90s. And we can challenge that because it was never done by a vote of the people. So we're looking to correct the problems, systemic problems in taxation and this privatization without the vote of the people. We're going to fix these problems. And when we do, the United States will be a viable market again to sell vehicles and everything else in. We're going to get this done. We're going to fix our country. But this contract is something where it's going to start. And it needs to start now. And bringing work back here to the United States, where you're incorporated in the state of Delaware, as a citizen of the United States, subject to all the laws of the United States and the Constitution, means something to the people of these United States. And believe me, you show that you're a patriot country, company, and the people will respond. Your market share will go up, justifying wage increases, justifying more people, justifying more product allocated in our, in our, com- our corporation and the other corporations. But most importantly, General Motors would be a hero to the general public of the United States. Right now, people are saying they don't want to buy a car ever again. You can turn that in this contract using Henry Ford's model. You don't have to double wages. You just got to be fair and bring work back. Allocate the five unallocated plants. And you know that you can do that with electric vehicles, the supporting equipment for the electric vehicles, and bringing back a car or two, a vehicle or two, because I know you're not predisposed to cars anymore, a vehicle or two to the assembly plants that are now targeted. You can do this. You can be a hero, or you can be a goat and go to prison, or worse. Because we're going to work our best in either case. In either case. So, having said that, uh, we're about a little after eight here tonight. Uh, Jeff, do you have anything to comment on any issue that you choose, including your son graduating from law school? <laughs> uh, just, you know, people on the lines are doing a great job. Uh, just continue. Continue to doing what you're doing. Um, maybe talk back and forth about what Leroy's been talking about tonight, um, about the UAW Constitution, et cetera, et cetera. So you understand what's going on before you see the contract and before you vote on it. It's very important that you educate yourself on, on this language. Um, because you, you guys are the ones going to set the pace. So keep doing what you're doing. That's all I got, Lori. Okay. Tom, do you have anything to uh, add uh, or anything at all? I mean, if you want to talk about your grandson's victory today, I don't care. 
you know, <laughs> anything at all uh, that you want to talk about. I, I just want you to put it out there one more time because I got a text message from somebody that just told me they don't understand about a balance sheet and how important that is for Mary Barrow and our negotiating team to know where those numbers are, where we can pull from. It won't make a damn difference to her end end of the year balance sheet because those numbers disappear someplace. We've got a profit out there for the vehicles we sell, and then we got two other balance sheets that mysteriously disappear someplace. So, I, I I think this person needs to hear that one more time. Where we're going to draw the resources from to make okay. all this happen? Okay, could you could you do that one time, yeah. and then I'll, yeah, I, no I won't open my okay. mouth again. <laughs> okay. All, right. <laughs> all right, I'll go over that for the for the members that might be uh, in question. Uh, okay. We, Every quarter they report their profits, and at the end of the year they report their profits. All corporations are required to do that. Quarterly, if they're a private or a public company that's regulated by the Securities Exchange Commission, SEC, they're required a quarterly report and an annual report. And that shows their profits, okay? But throughout the course of doing business, there are streams of revenue that are pulled out for different purposes, okay? And we're maintaining that stock buybacks don't hit the bottom line necessarily. For sure, for sure, um, uh, dead peasants insurance, that's life insurance, it's called corporate life insurance, and that's where they take money from the revenue stream, send it over to a life insurance company, and purchase life insurance on retirees. This is over and above the contractual obligation. They buy this, and the, the, uh, di- the uh, benefit is paid non-taxable to the corporate executive suite pension fund, and then they divide it up between themselves and the, and the executive suite, okay? And then there's, of course, the, yeah, so you're looking at profits that hit and dividends are paid, and you know, and then whether or not it's actually in the bottom line profits that, that they're using that money to do stock buyback, it certainly is not sent down to the stockholders and bondholders, Okay, it's sent over to purchase uh, stock. So we're we're maintaining that you have a bottom line profit of twelve. Monies that are also being allocated for stock uh, buyback. Okay, that's been legal I think since two thousand eight. And in the aggregate, all corporations that are public corporations have bought back one five point one trillion dollars. And General Motors is in the tens of billions of dollars that they've purchased back in order that props up stock, okay, keeps the stock price where they want it to be. They can do all kinds of things. They can have a, uh, you know, a, a, a split or a reverse split and, and keep it up. Uh, they could do a reverse split and push it up twice as high as it is right now if they wanted to keep that stock price up. Uh, but right now, they're just using that money to buy back stock, and, of course, they have dead peasants insurance that they're buying. 
So you take all three of those elements. You take it out of the dividend part that goes to the stockholder. You take it out, and that's, that's just part of your profits. You got, you're working with about $12 billion, right, thereabouts. It depends on what year you're looking at. You know, anywhere from 10 to, I think, that one year they had $14 billion profit, okay, and 10% of the overall. You know, Alfred Sloan said he wants 4% on average over time. Sometimes it would be 6 sometimes it would be 2 but he wanted 4% over time. He was the architect of the uh, uh, GM finances prior to Roger Smith, who decided that he was going to make money by shrinking the company. Okay, well, that's not working so good now. Thank you, Roger. Uh, you got it wrong. I'm too bad you're dead not to hear it. Uh, but there are people in charge that are hearing it. Okay, so, uh, so you know, but now they're up at 10% or more. Okay, and Mary Berry's quick to point out she's the first one to ever achieve 10%. And that's laudable in many circles, but not ours, because we're not getting a bite out of that apple. So, all right, so you take, you have the three elements. You've got profits, they're expended as dividends, you have stock buybacks, and you have debt peasants insurance. It takes about $250 million, okay, that's 140th or 144th of the total profit that they have annually that we're asking for back. And that just takes everybody up to traditional wages, all the temporaries. And everybody in progression takes them up to to legacy traditional, old legacy, old traditional, not new traditional wage. And that was done by that study was done by Christian Dizak. She's got a funny last name, Dizak, I think is how she says it, but I'm not sure. She's an amazing reporter for the Automotive News, uh, and very very sharp woman. I have a lot of respect for her, by the way. And she said it was $250 million, and that was a couple of years ago, several years ago, when this became an issue. So it's not that much money. All right, so now you have a number that you need to get everybody there, and it's arguably $250 million. So you divide that by three, less stock buyback, less dividends in the pro- in for, the com- for the shareholders, and less dead peasant insurance. For those people at the top, right? And you say, all right, this is what we want to do. It's not very hard to pull that money out of the system when it's only $83 million from each one of those entities, right? Not such a big deal. Not such a big deal at all. Everybody shoulders a little bit of the problem. So then it's less painful. And then you get some wage increases and some things. All right. So instead of 83, it's 100 million, 300 million, or 400, or 500 million. And if it's 500 million, okay, divide that into 12. What's that? 160th, right? Not so hard. We just want a little back. Like, like Henry Ford said, those who have given up to make this corporation successful, we, want, we understand the need for social justice here. That's what Henry Ford. By the way, his uh, cousins, 
the, the CFO treasurer at the time, after the announcement was made, quietly said to his circle of friends, that's going to make Henry Ford a billionaire. And it did. You have to have future vision in the economics of what you're doing, not just pencil pushing, sucking from the working class. If you drive more jobs, high-wage jobs, Kennedy said it, the answer to all of our problems are more high-wage jobs. Okay? Kennedy, Henry Ford, look at the success from those periods of time. And if you just keep sucking from the middle class, the working people of the middle class, I don't even know if there's a middle class anymore, quite frankly. If you if you do keep sucking it out, then it's not going to exist pretty soon. And then you're not going to have anything because the few people that can afford the vehicle or the entities that can afford a vehicle to go and, and pick somebody up as like an Uber car that's auto, uh, autonomous, it drives itself, those people become fewer and fewer. And pretty soon, you're upside down and don't exist anymore. Have some vision. Take the money from several different pots. Put it into our pot that's been disabused. And we'll all be happy. Okay? So to answer the question yet again, we need X number of dollars to take care of the temporaries. That's around $250 million to make all of them whole. Legacy wages. Okay? So if you say, all right, well, it's not quite that much, but we still got to take care of the regular workforce and the skilled trades and retirees and all the rest. Okay, so four, $500 million. So what? It's an arbitrary number, somewhere in there, a, fa- a fraction of $1 billion, typically, to, in- to get the increases that we want. And you take them from a little bit from the dividend side, a little bit from the stock buyback side, and a little bit from the debt peasant side. And then we as a country fix the tax imbalance by simply charging other countries tax at their at our border and giving it back to them with a small penalty to take care of what we've lost over the last 37 years the 21 trillion 23 trillion now so not that hard it's not that hard and bring bring the work back from Mexico bring it back from Korea you know our country, that's where you're incorporated and you're a citizen here, be patriotic and we will reward, as our, our general public always does, reward patriotism. Announce it like that and you'd be amazed just like they were with Henry Ford in 1914. The reaction around the world. Okay, I hope that answered the question, Tom. 
Well, I'll, I'll find out, Leroy, and I'd, I'd like to say one more thing, unless you you got some uh, time here. But uh, okay, uh, to uh, another person that texts me uh, about our bargaining team, believe me, they're up there. They're doing hard work for for you people up there. They are our people from our plant floors, and the people above them, the, the uh, international executive board. We'll overlook whatever they come up with when it gets to the head table. So th- those people are entrenched. They believe in what they're doing. They believe in you as a workforce, or they wouldn't be there to, to begin with. Please support them. I've seen some people a little apprehensive here, and I got one text in that regard. These people are honest, good, hard-working union people. Give them a chance. It's no easy task. There's no easy answers, especially when you're you're sitting with people who don't want to open their wallets, so to speak. Because if they did, you'd have to run for cover because they got their first communion money and moths are flying out of their wallets. And they just want more and more and more and less for us. So believe me, that, those people up there are working hard for you. And uh, uh, God bless you all. Uh, I've been there, done that on the local level. But uh uh, had some uh, very good friends that had an opportunity to sit in those same positions. Those gentlemen and ladies are sitting in up uh, up in Detroit now and in negotiating a, a fair and honest good agreement for you. And they're dug in. Believe me, they're dug in, and they are looking out for your best interest. So remain supportive, and like Jeff said uh, earlier, stay steadfast. You've been out here for a couple of weeks. Be prepared for another couple of weeks, maybe even three weeks. Who knows? Stay the course. Good things happen. And uh, support one another out there on those picket lines. I'm probably going to go out either later tonight or tomorrow morning or tomorrow night. I don't know yet which one it's going to be, but uh, I'm quite busy here myself. But Stay stay in balance with what what the goal is, and and keep that out in front of you because it's it's well worth it in the end. Believe me when I tell you that. Right, exactly, Tom. It you know I want to reiterate to everybody that out there there's there's capital that's you know money and corporations, and there's labor, and you heard Henry Ford speak about it, and you heard his. Uh, Vice President and Treasurer speak about Cousins, where they said we need to bring, they said that they literally said that capital is out of balance with the working class and we need to bring those back in balance so that it's fair and we have social justice. They said that out loud 105 years ago. Okay. That's where we're at today. It's out of balance. The person that comes forward and says it's out of balance, we're going to fix it, is going to be the hero, just like Henry Ford was. Okay, that's what we're talking about here tonight. We're giving people options that they don't think they have. And that's what we do here on Working for a Living. We support our team. I can tell you from my own experience, I was in a local union, 652, uh, at one time, and Two cycles, the president of 652 was the chair of the national bargaining team. Currently, 652, local 652, 
has the chair of the national bargaining team, Ted Crump. These people are elected from the local unions to chairpersons and presidents, and from those groups they have a meeting called the National Subcouncil. They meet regularly throughout the year, sometimes on call, but they have a regular schedule that they meet. And from that group, the national bargaining team is elected from the presidents and chairpersons that are in that group. They get elected, and they're on the national bargaining team now. They're from your local union, probably your committee person at one time. And they moved up through the system in the local union, and then they're at the national sub-council, and then they get elected from the national sub-council to the national bargaining team. Okay? And they're all good, kind, caring, strong men and women, sisters and brothers of ours. We need to support them. And that's what we're doing. That's what we've been doing. We're real proud of what everybody's doing on the picket line. Okay? Everybody's being respectful. Okay? We're dug in. You can see it now. It's the determination. You drive by on one of our pickets or go and walk and, and say hi to some of them. If you're listening, you're not a member. You can see it in the eyes. The determination is in everybody's eyes. We're doing this to change the world for workers and ourselves. It's a selfless task. And we need to get this done for ourselves and for our country. It's bigger than us. It really is. But Tom's spot on. These are great people. We need to support them. Anybody that has second thoughts, believe me, they're not. They're not. This isn't 2007. It's not 2011. It's not 2015. Issues are being raised by us here at Working for a Living about constitutionality of the agreement. And others have taken up that, that challenge as well. We started it back in March. We started a year ago at convention when we ran for office. It was part of our plan in June of 2018. And, you know, people have come to me and say, you're awful hard on them, Leroy. You got them in a box. Give them some, some thoughts. You're creative. Okay, so we got creative and we said these are the things that you can do. You know, like Tom said, he's, you know, he got invited to lunch and he got a smorgasbord. So we're going to see what happens. Are all of our numbers 100% accurate? No, but they're ballparked. They're real close, I bet you, right? Okay. I mean, we're not stupid around here. Okay. Not saying anybody is, but we're for sure going to give opportunity to make it better. That's what we're about here. Make it better for everybody. And if we need to hold the Constitution up as some of the measure, yeah, we'll do that. You know, it's it's tough. You know, I got a second, second guess myself. Every time I make a decision and ask our team to follow that decision, I have to think about it. Rethink about it. Second guess it. Is it right for the membership? 
We got away from that. And now people are seeing that's what's supposed to be done, and they're doing it. They get it. Our leadership gets it. Our bargaining team gets it. And believe it or not, even the corporation gets it. They just, you know, they're beating the wrong drum. They can change their drum and be a hero. Beat on a different drum. Makes a different sound. People hear it differently. And they'll respond, believe me. They did with Henry Ford 105 years ago when he doubled the wages of the working people in his plant. Not saying he was a good guy after that, but at that time, it was needed, and, and we're in the same kind of time right now. So, Having said that, uh, anything else, guys? No, I'm good. I don't know. You good? I'm good, Jeff? too. Okay, good. Thanks. We're an hour and a half now, so we don't want to belabor all this. I hope hope everybody understands what we're talking about this evening. We're available anytime, you know, private messages. Uh, if you're our friend, we get it. I don't get them if you're not my friend. So uh, you can email us at working for a living at working for a living. Uh, you know, you can get uh, Tom or Jeff uh, that are out there publicly. There's a few people that are not public that you know that are part of the team. And there's a lot of them that that are not public that are part of our team. Okay, so uh, you you can uh, go ahead and contact anybody. Uh, you know, if you uh, most of the leadership knows how to get a hold of us. If uh, anything else, you can just go ahead and give them. You know, can you get a hold of Leroy? Or just just email us. Uh, you know that if all else fails, just email us. And if you have a number you want to just talk privately, I'm happy to call you back. I do a lot of stuff on on the call. Um, I want to uh, say one last thing before we wrap things up. In 2018, in June, early June, uh, Jeff, Marie, and Andre uh, got their membership back. Jeff didn't have Jeff Brown right here on our show. Didn't have his membership for a while because he was disabused by his local union. And I was pretty busy. I spent about 1,000 hours and wrote some 400 pages of legal defense for for the three of them. And that kind of probably cost me my own election uh, for president of the International UAW because I didn't have the time to go solicit a a nominator properly. And and what we thought we put together as a package didn't work either. So, but... That's all water under the dam. But because of Jeff's and Andre and Marie's decision from the Public Review Board, the Public Review Board suggested that we uh, change the UAW Constitution to say that no trial will ever start before a final decision from the Public Review Board in any fashion if there's an appeal or request for reconsideration at the Public Review Board, the final decision has not been made. The Constitution was changed so that that would be reflected in, the, in, in our Constitution at the request of the Public Review Board. And I want everybody listening to remember what I just said. No trial shall occur 
on any charge brought against a member until the final decision in any fashion, but the final decision from the Public Review Board has been tendered. Okay? That's said for some specific ears to hear, but everybody needs to understand that. We changed the Constitution so that it never happened again that you had a trial before the final decision of the Public Review Board. And that happened with Jeff and Andre Marie. And the trial got very political, and it was wrong. And then they had their hearing at the Public Review Board, and it got changed, all of it. And they got their membership back because of what we did for them. Having said all of that, pickets, strikers, we are so proud of you. <laughs> I'll tell you, solidarity is an amazing thing when you see it every day, sticking up for one another. Take care of the weakest ones among us, the young people, the temporaries that, that don't make that much money and couldn't have saved much. Keep an eye out on them, okay, because they might need a little extra here, okay? If you just got to pull out 20 and hand it to them, you know, four or five of you so they can pay their water bill or their electric bill. It's soon going to be winter. I had to turn my furnace on today. It got so cold in here. It's 55 degrees out. Once it got down to 64, I'm going up. Time to get the heat back up. So everybody else is having to do the same thing, okay, including the temporaries that don't make a lot of money and couldn't have saved much, and now they're not making much, okay. Having said all of that, thanks to, to all of our investigators around the world, all of our global listeners, Mexico and Canada listeners, thank you. Thank you for the solidarity that you've extended to us. Even, you know, we've gotten it from Brazil, from Mexico, Canada, everywhere. Thank you. Thank you very much. Our solidarity for our striking workers and our pickets. We really appreciate it. Thank you and for everything that you've given to us. Uh, thank you to our union and non-union listeners in the United States and to all of our UAW listeners. Much appreciated. Thank you very much. In the upcoming week, have fun, stay safe, stay in solidarity, and stay strong for our union, DUAW. God bless each and every one of you. Good night, listeners, and good night, Tom and Jeff. Have a great week. Good night, guys. Good night, Leroy. Good night, Leroy. Good night. Good night, listeners. <laughs>